the DC Rebirth and the Batman v Superman Afterbirth. This is staying in. Which was amazing. You say you say hung out with your grandparents like it's you know chilling around the back of the sheds. Yeah, that's it, totally, man. Putting the world to rights. Um, they let me have a go on the motor scooters. Awesome. That's one regret that I always have about when my grandparents had motor scooters that I never, I never had a go on them. <laughs> I would say that's the only regret about not being able to. Having grandparents with motor scooters and not going on them is not going on them. Yeah. Before I call this meeting of our comic book minds the coven, the coven, cabal, the cabal, the court of bowels, um, I do want to say that Chris, we've got you for a limited time, which is not too bad. I'm on the clock. You're on the clock. So. What I thought we'd do first is run through the DC Rebirth stuff, and then you can go, and then Percival and I can talk about Batman v Superman, colon Dawn of Justice, in all of it. <laughs> in <laughs> all of it, not so much glory, without ruining it for you. Does that sound all right? That sounds all right, because what's lovely is, because when I leave, while you're talking about that, I'm actually going to be watching it. So while I'm watching it, thinking about, oh my word, how awful this is, I'll be thinking about the discussion you're having. Can you do two things for me? That can you do something for me, though, gents? Yeah. I'm going to come back. I'm when I come out of that cinema. I'm going to be weak. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be questioning everything that I know and love about Batman. <clears throat> what I need is some a good set of palate cleansers, you know, that remind me, you know, that Batman's all right. And I need, you know, the quick things I can just get back into and go, oh yeah, oh phew, yeah, good. Batman is All good. right, okay. Yeah, cool. All right, before before like you leave then, what what do you want? Do you want like a film and a comic book from both of us or something to, to get? Yeah, something along those lines, something that I can just quickly just pick up or just put on and just go, okay, good for you. Get my Batman fixed. Batman is okay. I'll just, rem- I'll just imagine this didn't happen. Like, you know, it's like Star Wars fans do with the prequels. All right, okay. So before you leave, both Percival and I will fix you with something. Batman just, recommendations. Just a, a couple of Batmendations. Batman to... for that man. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, I assume that it was a uh, it was meant to be that during this wonderful we're recording this on Easter Monday. Um, so obviously it's a religious festival celebrating the uh, the death and rebirth of um, our, the Lord our Savior Jesus Christ, but also the death and rebirth of. Um, the New 52 and DC Rebirth. Um, I'm sure that's what they intended when they made the announcement. Do, do you really think that that's why they did it and it's not just because WonderCon was on that day? History will decide which is more famous. <laughs> well, it's a strange coincidence and I think that there was maybe someone in PR somewhere who said, this is a good idea. And Guys, I've got a genius idea. What we're <laughs> going to do is... Jesus was really popular, wasn't he? <laughs> he was big with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were going to capitalise on Shrove Tuesday, but we were late. <laughs> DC pancakes. Yeah, so it was at WonderCon. It was at WonderCon uh, a few days ago when um, Jim Lee 
Dan DiDio and Jeff Johns waddled out on stage and announced that something that we all knew was going to happen anyway, that the new 52 is ending at 52 and the whole universe, as it were, is rebooting in some way or other. Um, Dan DiDio said that basically his first words were sometimes you lost your way sometimes you lose your way you get a little lost you felt it and after a while we we felt it too that's what he said about the new 52 um what, so can we call the new 52 a failure like it was back in 2013 it seems that that's what they're admitting because it was that's bizarre that's a bizarre thing to admit in my very small experience in the 52, I wouldn't see it as a, an abject failure. I don't know what that statement means, that they lost their way. You felt it after a while. Too. I, I know exactly what they meant by it. They did what DC always do. DC are famous, unlike Marvel, for having these giant events that reset continuity, and fans normally accept it afterwards. You know, like, people kick off because all of a sudden Huntress isn't part of DC canon anymore, you know. Like, there have been small changes throughout DC's history when it's done things like this, Infinite Crisis, um, Final Final Crisis, loads of times where they've combined universes and done all this. But the New 52 was the first time that people, they actually saw sales numbers drop after the first 10 issues on, on a number of titles. We're not talking Batman and Green Lantern, and you'll notice that their storylines stayed exactly the same as they were pre, minus, of course, you know, Dick being no longer being yeah. Batman. But like, you'd like this thing is that like this was a failure compared to other reboots, and I think it's quite interesting that they said they were putting a definitive timeline on things like five years. That's how long the DCU's existed, and then that meant that people's accepted canon was no longer valid, and they felt betrayed. And it's different when you look at something like what Marvel have done recently with their Secret Wars relaunch, where they haven't put a definitive on anything. They've just sort of said, "What you whatever you've read, that still happened." But now we're in a new universe. And I just think it's an interesting divide between the two. But isn't this... Isn't The problem is, though, this is what um, Dan was talking about the other day, about how, and Pete to some extent, it's really difficult to get into comics because of this confusion about what is canon and what is definitive. So what, what are they hoping from DC Rebirth? Because they're doing things like... Um, action, action comics is going back to the original numbering and so is detective comics so they're going to be starting at 932 or whatever it is dare I say marketing Yeah, a, thousand, a number thousand issue will sell gangbusters like number one and then you know they, and they can ha say we're the first comic company to ever get to a thousand issues you know that's entirely what this this is to me I guarantee Spider-Man is right now re has renumbered in about a month or two we'll play here we're going back to the original numbering but why what's I don't is it just all marketing like I marketing yeah centennial issues sell better than um, non-centennial issues I, I don't know why they just always have always will do number one sell better 50 sell yeah, better I think I think it's just as, as to reiterate what was said by Dan and P it's just that finding that point of entry if I look at the numbers 979, it's not. I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, well, I've missed 978 issues of this story, this epic story. 
I w- I'm not obviously savvy enough to realise as I was be- as I am now that actually stories occur in arcs regardless of their numbers. If you if you if you weren't there for issue one, uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that you, you you weren't there for issue 978. Um, and one thing that New Fifty Two did go- did do well, which include including myself in this, was it it brought people into comics that had that passing interest in it and suddenly had that that launching in point really. Yeah, Um, to actually start subscribing. New 52 caught me just at the right time because I still remember going to visit you, Chris, in Exeter and you giving me, you know, Batman number one, Scott Snyder's stuff, The Court of Owls and The Night of Owls. And that, because I knew I was starting something from fresh, that's how it grabbed me. Um, So... That you, you, they saw that upswing in sales with the new 52 and then they ca- and then they, t- they tailed off and the worst thing was older fans who'd been involved in this felt betrayed so we had new casual fans and you know you and Sam have stayed on board and that's great but not everyone did a lot of people came on board and then left and they alienated a core audience who had been loyal for years who just left the book mm. you know and I think there's a degree now of trying to have the cake and eat it to bring back that core audience by saying, oh, look, we're going to restore Lois and Clark's marriage. You know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, you know, but at the same time, they're all new number ones. So anyone can read them. And it's just just that little bit desperate on the side of DC. They seem really excited about it, though. When I watched the live stream, they were a lot, they were... They were very excited about it, and they do. And you know, when you mentioned that thing about numbering, of course, they're going to get to the big numbers quicker because most of the key titles are going to be coming out now twice a month. Uh, and that again has me on edge. I've uh, bi-weekly books struggle; they always have done. It puts a lot of pressure on the artist, unless you're a quick drawing artist. That's why Capullo's not not there. But you know, you know, that's just. That's just an unfortunate fact of modern comics. Like putting two, doing two a month is asking a lot. Yeah, I mean, I read a weekly, Batman and Robin Eternal, and you can just just reading it when there's like multiple artists on one comic, and it says like this artist is pages forty five to fifty four, and this artist is this page and this page, and it does affect the flow of the artwork. And there's even um, there's even stuff like in, in Batman and Robin Eternal, because it's a weekly, there's also things with a script that gets missed on one, basically, um, is it David Kane? What's his name? Who's Cassandra Kane's? Yeah, Cassandra Kane's father. Cassandra Kane's father. I think it's David. Get, gets his arm chopped off, and then in the next issue, they talk about him having his foot chopped off because there's been a, you know, a lack of communication somewhere between the writers. And... There's, you just start to see those sloppy t- touches that you get where they're obviously trying to rush out rush out the weekly issue. So m- maybe that's why you could say, now this is the reason that Capullo left Batman, because he saw this coming and was just... He could only do a page... Um, I forgot, he does like a page a day, and he's only penciling. So you can see how this just does not fit into what he wants to do. In terms of in terms of drawing for DC, entirely. But you see someone like JRJR, who's a notoriously fast drawer. All of a sudden, he's in. He's very much in vogue. 
Unlike his faces. Unlike his faces. <laughs> That's the thing, like, JR, JR, I love everything he does, except for faces, which is why his Spider-Man's yep. really good. Because he doesn't, he doesn't have to draw a face. And then I, and then I saw him on the live stream, and I text you, uh, uh, P, and I was like, why does JRJR's face look like the faces he draws? And it's like he draws his own face. <laughs> it's got a mirror. It's just got a mirror. <laughs> it's just different facial expressions. I guess we should go through some of the. There was lots of. Um, like writer changes and artist changes and I've just picked out the ones that interest kind of me and the comics I'm interested in so apologies if I don't mention anything um, anything else uh, the big the big story for us is uh, obviously Snyder and Capullo are leaving Batman Tom King David Finch and Mikel Janin um, are taking over I mean Tom King I've heard I've heard a few interviews of him. He's a former CIA agent, and he brings a lot of that into the comics that he writes. For example, Grayson, you know, turned Grayson from Nightwing into mm. a um, basically a secret agent was his run on uh, on that, and he also wrote a lot for Batman and Robin Eternal. I'm not the biggest fan of his work, I have to say. I think his Nightwing, Nightwing stuff was stronger. Not his Nightwing, Grayson, his yeah. Grayson uh, stuff was stronger than his uh, than his, his Batman stuff, or the very little amount I've read of either series. But no, I'm not. I'm not overly just not on Snyder's level. But who was going to be at this point? You know, I think when probably when Snyder took over from Grant Morrison, everyone was like, "Yeah, Scott, who?" You know, like it, it's just. It's it's essentially the David Moyes <laughs> to the Alex Ferguson, isn't it? You know, to use a footballing reference. Yeah. I think also the artwork is going to be a lot more. Um, what should I say? Well, I always I always loved Capullo's bridge between the cartoony and the realistic, and that there was a wonderful, yeah. um, almost an arc to his art style, which was, it was all it it was very you know the punches hit and the damage you felt the physicality of it but it, the universe in general was very um was still quite soft and cartoony and i quite liked particularly I quite liked uh, it for zero that. year and i think from what they previewed uh, during during this thing they the artists were basically told to come up with would draw a close up picture of the the um uh, of their character, and it was quite funny because the artist drawing Harley Quinn showed Harley Quinn like pressed pressed up against a glass, as if it was like an extreme close up, which is quite funny. Um, but their look for for Batman is very a lot more straight edged. Um, yes, I. Um, what's the artist again, Sam? Uh, David Finch. David Finch. We we were talking about this the other day. <laughs> I'm just going to double check to see if he is the guy who did Forever Evil because if it is, we, uh, can someone check that? Who can uh, um, type at the moment? Yeah, uh, I'm just I'm just checking. Did David? I just wanted to check um, who the colorist is for Snyder and Capullo's Batman. I always forget their name, but yeah, their color work were just absolutely fantastic. Like their uses of purples and greens. And that almost fluorescent edge that it got, um, absolutely. I, I'm going to miss that, to be honest. But um, they're taking on the new bat suit. That's going to be carrying on. 
So um, big, big fan. If I'm honest, didn't think I was going to be. I've not, I've, I've not seen it yet. Well, I've kind of seen it, but I've not read Batman Fifty yet. So um, it's very good. It's very good. I, I was really, I was reading Batman. It was literally points. So I was going yes. Literally shouting out as I was reading it by myself. Now, my, before this was announced, my thought was that um, James Tinney and the Fourth and um, I thought Francis Manipal, I thought those two were going to be going on to Batman. Um, but we'll come to Francis a bit later because James Tinney and the Fourth, Eddie Barrows and Alvaro Martinez taking on Detective Comics. Now, this was described on stage as a team book. And it's going to be featuring spoiler Tim Drake, Cassandra Kane, and Clayface. So it's almost and Batwoman as well, isn't it? Yeah, and Batwoman. Batwoman. This, is, this is Detective Comics. So it's going to, Detective Comics is now going to be a team book, basically. Yeah. And it's a bit, and the way they described it is it's almost a hangover from what happens in Batman and Robin Eternal. So Cassandra Kane from there, and spoiler, um, are going to be coming into Detective Comics because. Spoiler was meant to be, um, no, it's not Spoiler. What's her name? I can't remember what her name was, but forget that. But basically, yeah, Spoiler is a big character in Batman and Robin Eternal, and she's going to be in this team book, which is Detective Comics, basically. Oh, that's, that surprises me. I genuinely thought Tyrion was a shoo-in for the new Batman writer. Uh, I, re- I really, really did. Um, and I kind of thought, have they put him on detective because they're going to sideline Batman? Because um, obviously Batman is the big dog now, but historically, detectives has, uh, Detective has been the bigger book in the past. Um, so uh, yeah, the fact that he's not even going to feature Bruce seems a bit odd, especially for a writer like Tyrion. Unless... Tinian? You, you know... Maybe he asked yeah. for this. I don't know. No, it was um, just say it was it was um, Bluebird that I was thinking of Harper Row. Um, so yeah. Oh God, great! I don't know if she will be in uh, any. I, I guess she might be in Detective Comics because basically the whole point of Batman, Batman and Robin Eternal is that Bluebird Harper Row was meant to be Batman's perfect Robin, like she was created to be that Robin like through research and all this kind of stuff so I mean in the photographs I've seen with like the images I've seen from Detective Comics I can't see her in any imagery it doesn't mean she's not actually going to be in it but from what I've seen so far I can't see anything there it'd be, it'd be shame I, I'm not finished Batman and Robin Eternal either so you never know she she could be dead for all we know um uh, um, I think I think one thing important thing to remember though is that the Detective Comics it's called Detective Comics for a reason. It's always supposed to be the kind of more procedural drama of literally you know solving the big cases, kind of almost in a more of a kind of a hardboiled detective kind of fashion, as per se, as opposed to say the Batman, which um, kind of is really more at the behest of the writer and their vision. I suppose Snyder's Batman was very much a, a kind of a love letter to the Gotham City that he had created in. Uh, uh, Black Mirror and things like that um, as much about um, world building and, and sketching out its history whereas the Detective Comics is literally about it's essentially it's got more of a mystery um, a mystery behind it I suppose Yeah, um, I've never been I've never been a Detective Comics fan I, the only reason that I 
read it in the first place was for that Snyder arc, Snyder and Jock. And now I've been, my ears have been pricked by it again because Brian Buccoletto and Francis Manipal are writing and drawing. Um, I've done, I've done an arc. I'm going to tell you now, having read that arc, uh, their Firefly drug arc, it wasn't very <laughs> oh, good. Right, okay. Okay. It, it, it was it was good because those two are good, but it wasn't very it wasn't exactly compelling. Right, back to Snyder then. So he after everything was done, so there was more reveals about basically they did it like the Bat family came out and then the Superman family and then you know all the female characters left till last. Um, and so they left two chairs out and they were like, oh, I bet you're wondering what's happening with Scott Snyder. Well, he's here. And he came out with John Romita Jr. And they announced that they're doing All-Star Batman. Um, so Snyder's going to be the main artist on it. Ooh. And John Romita Jr. is going to be doing the first story, which is described as a road trip with Batman and Two-Face being hunted by the world's best assassins. Um, other artists announced were Jock and Sean Murphy. Um, I'm actually a big fan of mm. Sean Murphy. What did I read of his uh, recently? He did um, Chrononauts with Mark Miller, and his work's incredible. Um, but yeah, but that's that was a big announcement. So All-Star Batman starts in August, and that's going to be Scott Snyder's um, new bag, really. Uh, what a legacy. Uh, did anyone ever read the initial All-Star Batman? Oh, there was never an. This is the first time there's been an All Star Batman. No. Um, yeah, it was All Star Batman and Robin. Oh, okay. So apologies. So this is. So um, he and I only say it in that way because because Scott Snyder almost had to go to Twitter to say like, just remind you guys, and no one's done this before. This will be you know, trend setting in the world of DC. So I don't know what is All Star Batman, and Robin, or Chris. Did you yeah. ever read it? I read All Star. Um, uh, I, I, my right in saying, forgive my ignorance here. All Star Batman and Robin was that the uh, Damien Robin? All Star Batman and Robin was a si- no, 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 no. Oh God, I know what you it know is. You know what Tom. it is, yeah, yeah. Frank Miller. Frank Miller. It's Miller time. Oh God, yeah. So what what was wrong with it? Everything. I don't get it. Uh, it was one particular panel uh, that was often quoted. Um, something along the lines um, that seemed very out of character for Batman. It was drawn by Jim Lee, absolutely beautiful looking as uh, as usual with Jim Lee work. Um, I've got the first two issues of it. Literally, it, it begins with the the moment um, basically young Dick Grayson's parents are killed at the circus and um, Bruce Wayne taking him under his wing. Well, actually, he doesn't just take him under his wing, he, he kind him. of kidnaps him. No, he does kidnap uh, him. Um... <laughs> Yeah, he basically kidnaps him, scares the crap out of him, literally almost tortures him to be... He tells him to eat rats. Yeah. Who Batman does. Yeah. Yep. And says that, what was the line he says? I am the goddamn Batman. Um, um, which was a panel that was often, <laughs> um, often quoted. I remember that, yeah. I um, am the goddamn Batman. Hang on, oh I can try God. and bring up, the pa- I can bring up the panel. Here we go, I've got the panel here. Um, so he's got a young Dick Grayson in his Batmobile. I think his parents have just been killed. Um, and so he's, he's a little defensive. He's, he's very hurt. He's very sad, very traumatized. He says to him, who the hell are you? Anyway, giving me out orders like this, Batman. What are you, d- dense? Are you retarded or something? Who the hell do you think I am? I'm the goddamn Batman. 
He then takes a traumatized Dick Grayson into his Batcave, tells him he's going to make him a soldier for war, and uh, yeah, that's sort of what happened. Thankfully, Frank Miller then got really drunk and stopped writing the series, so we never actually finished the book. And that kind of like overly militaristic kind of Batman, you can you can kind of take with a, more of a pinch of salt when he's an old grumpy man in The Dark Knight Returns and The Dark Knight Strikes Again, but not when he's fairly young, and and you know he's less embittered by the world. This it feels really left field, um, and you've got that really kind of quite reactionary um, attitude. Um, jarring with the kind of neat, polished, airbrushed quality of Jim Lee's artwork. It's so bizarre. It's utterly bizarre, really. Well, hopefully, Snyder, Snyder said on stage, he said that the reason that he was excited about doing it was that he was able to play with villains that he'd not been able to fit into his Batman universe. Okay. And so the sort of teaser image was um had like you know Mr. Freeze on it, Poison Ivy, um and Two Face. So it sounds to me like this is his playground. Like he's come up with ideas that he's wanted to put into his Batman run, but for one reason or another he's not been able to do it, whereas I don't know if that's been studio pressure or just the way he works. I don't know, but it seems like this has kind of been like DC saying thanks and him being able to have a bit of a run, stretch his legs and be a bit more free with Batman. Without the pressure of taking on like the main kind of... Yeah, because basically once the new once the 52's over, w- I think we're, we're going to sit down again and have a retrospective on Capullo and Snyder's work on Batman. But in brief, there are points in it where you feel he's being pressured to meet certain... Stretch too thin. Stretch too thin and and the story's been squeezed in certain sections to make sure it hits, you know, Batman's 75th birthday or the 50th issue. Mm. Um, You look at something like Death of the Family, you know, where he wanted a small self-contained event. DC said, no, we like this idea. We're going to force all Bat books to do it. Yeah. And then Gail Simone says, right, well, I don't want to write this book anymore. You know, like... That hopefully with this he can do those stories and events that he wants to do without the pressure of oh Detective Comics you know Dick Grayson's currently in France we're gonna have to fly him back over you know if you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he has the the other thing that was announced was he has signed a an exclusive deal with DC and I'm not sure what that means um, because he has mentioned in the past that he's obviously he's still got. Um, Witches. He's mentioned that there is going to be a new witches arc, and he still does American Vampire. Um, well, American Vi- Vampire is a DC print anyway. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Mm. Uh, it's Vertigo. Yeah, it's Vertigo, it? and Witches is Image, isn't it? Yes. Yep. Then I imagine that we may be seeing Witches come over to Vertigo. All right then. Fair enough. I said that. that's the only. Th- Basically, we're not going to be seeing him doing any more. Iron Man noir. Yeah, there'll be no Marvel. No. Basically, it's Marvel. Um, <laughs> Basically. Um, yeah, so... And and he's and he's going to be... He is the permanent writer for All-Star yeah. Batman. I know they've created... They've basically created this title for they, him. It so sounds... He's not He's not just going to turn up, do, a, do like a run, and then leave it to somebody it else. It sounds to me like it's Snyder's perfect 
ideal in a way because he gets to do the stories he wants, the characters he wants, and almost pick an artist to suit it. Um, <laughs> JR, JR, I need a man with no face. Don't worry, I'm on it. <laughs> oh my God, JR, JR's going to be drawing Two-Face. Double the... <laughs> <laughs> double the pain. And we won't be able to tell which side is which. <laughs> Oh my god! One fr- one side frowns more than the I other. I just think that the the sound of the first arc sounds so bizarre that it could actually be quite spectacular. Uh, but it sounds very similar to that that run that four shot I, I sent a six shot or four shot. Four shot. I sent yeah. you sound. Let, let, four shot that I let you sound. Batman Europa, where basically Batman goes on a road trip with the Joker across Europe. Yeah, to cure his illness. Sounds a bit like that. To cure his illness. Yeah, to cure their illnesses. Yeah. Um, um, that was good, but. It, um, it 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 felt a little limited, and I thought, in a, you know, there there are some ideas there, and the writing wasn't great, and the reveal at the end was just a bit like, well, well I've run out, of, I've run out of space. <laughs> Who's the villain going to be? I'll oh, just chuck him in. I never actually yeah. finished Europa. Who was the villain? Bane. Not Bane. Oh, Sam, I could have said something. Alfred. I could have said that. I think we need to talk about if we're such yeah, if we're talking about Batman. Uh, John. Jeff John's announcement that we're going to find out who the Joker is. They're gonna give him a definitive backstory. Yeah. Um I was talking to uh I was talking to my girlfriend about this and she said to me, Oh, wouldn't that be aren't you interested in knowing like who the Joker is? Wouldn't don't you think that would be fun? And I basically my reply was and this goes back to, um, again, Snyder's run with um, the Joker and Endgame, where it's never really revealed whether the Joker's immortal or it's just been one big big trick that he's been playing on Batman. But there came a point then where he almost found out who the Joker was, and my reaction to it then was, I don't want to know. Because mm. in my mind, the Joker is a basically... It torments Batman that he doesn't know who it is. It, it, it really. Part of Batman's character is the fact that he cannot figure out who this person is. He's meant to be the world's greatest detective, and yet the one thing he's never been able to figure out is who his greatest enemy is. Because what I love, what I love that Snyder does is he turns it on its head. It, it, it torments the Joker to possibly know who Batman yeah. is. He he would prefer not to know. And. It's a complete reverse. But of course, Batman now does know... I don't know if anyone reads Justice League, but Batman now does know who the Joker is. Yeah, basically um, what what happened is that he went into Metron's Mobius chair, and <laughs> which is... Fucking hell. I and, love comics. And it's, it's the fount of all knowledge, and he asked this chair um, who who Joker is. and that, so So he knows. So Batman now knows. And his reaction... Um, was something like, it can't be. So it's someone that no, we must know within the universe. Um, it was better than that. It was, no, impossible. Oh. And then he went off to torture Joe Chill. So that's so that's Justice League number 50, if either of us okay. want to. But the thing is, that's the Percival's right, Batman knows. And no matter, even if we don't know, he knows. And there's there's a part of me that thinks that that does more to harm Joker's character than it does Batman's. 
But what about the whole Dionysium thing that's happened to but the I love, But I love that because it's never confirmed whether that's true or it's just one massive joke that the Joker's been playing since he died. Like, he was so pissed off that Batman broke the rules and killed him out of anger for what he has done. And because the whole point of the story is that Joker comes back and he just says, that's it, the joke's over. And it's almost like this is the greatest thing that he can play on Batman is make him think that I've been in Gotham all this time, I know this city better than you. It was just a big prank. Because it's never actually confirmed whether whether he is this unkillable man. I, I like the bit when he comes back during the the blue mark, um, healed for lack of a better yeah. word. If it was indeed him, because again, we don't know if that was yeah. him. Whenever you know, it looks like him, talks like him, but but you never know with the Joker. <laughs> Not the Jungle Book. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you. you 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 do never know with the Joker, and I think it really does take because th- there's something terrifying about, like Sam was saying about how the world's greatest detective can't figure out who this clown is, and you know that there's just something quite scary about that and menacing, and I think you lose a lot of potential story element, um, not elements like potential story avenues because later on, let's say another writer does a oh, who is the Joker? You know, like, is he this elemental force of evil or is he just an ordinary man? Well, it's Joe Bloggs, the carpenter. You know, like, we already know. Or Batman already knows. It's it's the annoying thing, like, the more possible different versions they do of his backstory, the the more it will dilute his kind of impact as an archetype. It's like uh, the, the, the person who killed Batman's parents, it's Joe Chill, but, you know, then Tim Burton made it Jack Napier, in the Batman film, and there are other different incarnations of it. Some people he's ne- he never has a name; you never know who he is. And it, it's it's that sense of actually we can have um, ignorance is bliss sometimes. And uh, I'm 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 a little anxious as to how they're going to. I mean, in their heads, I can understand why they're doing this. I mean, Snyder's kind of milked the Joker in some respects. Um, um, so this is, I suppose, a way in which they can do something, I suppose, slightly different or hasn't been done for a while with this character. Do you think they're going to put the cat back in the box that uh, Joker knows who Batman is? Do you think that's going to change with DC Rebirth? It would It would kind of make sense because then Batman knows who Joker is and Joker knows who Batman is. And you can almost see the final panel where Joker goes, oh, you've you you thought you got me there, Bruce, and then Bat then Batman goes, "Don't be so sure, Barry." And, Alfred, and then- <laughs> <laughs> please don't let the Joker be called Barry. The thing is, you Barry. can you can never give him an intimidating name. Winston. What's his name going to be like? Although Joe- it would explain his backstory. Car- Car- Joe. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> Jojo. It's like yeah, really yeah. obvious. It's like the end of The Usual Suspects. It was here all the time, right in front of me. I think the way they'll do it is that Bruce finds out and we don't. I think that's the only way you can do it. But he's, it's going to be revealed. It's going to be revealed. It's going to be terrible. Unless they do what... Um, with the death of Robin, they get the public to vote. <laughs> Who do you want to be the Joker? And everyone's still disappointed. Um, I, I just want to run through a few other things that caught my eye that may or may you I, I doubt anyone really has anything to say uh, Dan Jurgens is returning to Action Comics with Patrick Zerka 
Uh, New Superman is going to be written by Jean Lung Yang and Victor Bogdanovich, and that's going to be set in Shanghai with a 17-year-old um, uh, Superman, which sounds... I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, um, Superman is going to be written by Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason, with art by Gleason and Doug uh, Mankey. And I think I'll jump on that one. Yeah, I think I'll jump on that one. Uh, I think there's been a very... I think partially because it's a great jumping on point, and rather than the creators, I'm, again, interested to see where they're going to take Superman after... Has anyone been reading the truth arc? No. In Superman? No. Uh, basically, Lois Lane outed Clark Kent as mm-hmm. Superman, and at that exact moment, Superman's powers just went uh, with no explanation... And all of a sudden, all his enemies knew who he was, and his powers were massively reduced. Um, he was basically still super strong, but probably like Batman strong, not you know like not like Superman, mm-hmm. Superman. Um, and there's been a whole arc about what's happened and why did Lois expose him? And I'm wondering how they're going to resolve that because his powers are back now. We found out why they went, but where do you take Superman who? essentially has been cut off from Clark Kent. I think that's potentially an interesting storyline. Um, and the uh, and a new book was announced, uh, which may or may not be coinciding with the new DCU uh, cinematic universe, that is. Um, and it's called Trinity. And it's Superman, Batman and Wonder Woman. And the reason I'm interested is basically it's written and drawn by Francis Manipal and um, with some additional art by Clayman. Um and the image that they showed at WonderCon was just incredible. And I love Manipal's art and his writing. And maybe this will set the groundwork for future Justice League movies or, you know, interactions between the three main characters. I don't know. I know we can't talk about it, Sam, because Chris yeah. hasn't seen it, but I don't no. hold your breath. Because <laughs> <laughs> Francis, Francis is quite a funny writer. <laughs> yeah, he is. And you know what the funniest thing is, Sam? What? Do you bleed? Because you, you will. <laughs> okay. Um, and he does make him. Bye. Remember, lads, we, remember, lads, we've got 15 minutes. All oh, right, okay, yeah, I'm thinking of it. Oh, right, okay, um, yeah. I'm thinking of it. I, th- I think um, I've got some. See, um, so that's kind of the things that took my eye. Um, there's new comics coming out and all this kind of stuff. It's a, you know, it is, it is a massive deal. Um, but it's all going to start on the 25th of May with an 80-page issue called DC Rebirth number one for whatever reason why would you number it um, and <laughs> just in case they do a tape and the big and I felt that they it, this is a massive gesture and if it stays like this it will be a magical thing but I don't think it ever will all comics now no matter length size uh, or prominence are now two ninety nine, two dollars ninety nine. Two pounds fifty, two forty. Are they sold over here? I, I think it's great, but and you've not bought it yet, Sam. But Chris, when you went into your comic shop and picked up Batman Fifty, and they said that would be yeah. four pounds seventy-five, please. Did you nearly do a double take? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But that is, but it is quite a sizable issue. It is, but the grand it is, but I think if you ever cross over that five-pound limit, I might as well wait for the trade. And so I think this is great. Yeah, you I mean you're pretty much. I mean, it's only because I'm a completionist, and I've got all 50 issues um, in total, really. Um, that's the only reason why. In fact, funny story: when we were at the Comic Con for your birthday, Sam, the guy there wanted to buy my first issue off me for like 30 quid. Oh yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, get them off. It's a bit weird. 
Get yeah. get more for that on eBay. Well, I wouldn't sell it anyway. I mean, yeah. I mean, I haven't kept it in no, mint condition. No, they haven't actually. Well, no. the thing about the two ninety nine thing, I think it's it's great, but you've got to remember as well that they're all now coming out twice a month. <laughs> so, so it's kind oh, yeah, of. of I, I, I do kind of wonder what the shops are going to think of this because they're obviously now banking on they they'll take a drop in revenue because comics are less. So they're banking more and more of the quality of the product rather than the actual, you know, because if you're just buying something once a month and it's three, usually the, the big marquee items like Batman and Superman, they're $3.99, were they? Were they around that? Um, around that, yeah. The Batman and Robin Eternal, the weekly, was $2.50, I think. So that was about £2.20. Um so that was a manageable thing to buy every week. This is a big, kind of a big commitment. But obviously the retailers, I think, are going to have a big reaction to this because it relies more and more and more of the quality of the product. And I wonder whether there might be a bit more of a retail backlash. I don't know whether they'll put trade paper prices, you know, whether there'll be less sales on trade paperbacks or... And more, and more yeah, sales possibly. on digital kind of comics. Uh, I think it'll be uh, it'll be nicer to see maybe with this as well if DC could step up their pay- trade paperback production from one never they feel like it <laughs> to Marvel's model of uh, two weeks after yeah, the arc finishes or even better Vertigo and well um, no Images model of when the last issue is released so is a trade paperback of an arc um, yeah. It's just what are, they lo- must lose so much money, and I've so often I go in and it's like, oh, I wonder if they've got volume five yet of the Flash. Nope, still on four. They've only Great. just released the you know, uh, the paperback version of Superman Unchained. Jeez, wow! They just they, there's something needs to in at DC. It really does. Well, hopefully this will. Um, I don't know. We'll 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 discuss it on this very podcast when things happening. So. I guess before we lose uh, Chris Darby, what are we are we committing to anything straight off the bat with this? I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on. Uh, I'll, I'll stick with Batman. Yeah. I'm not interested in Detective, even though it's I know it's a bit, a bit of a shame, but I, I I don't follow people who aren't Bruce essentially. Um, I, I may pick up the trade if either of you recommend it. I'm not I'm not picking up Detective. Uh, I'm gonna no. I'm gonna jump on Superman. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. Probably Trinity. I'm I'm jumping. I'm definitely yeah. jumping on Trinity. I'm jumping. Yeah. I'm jumping on Trinity. Uh, yeah. We've not discussed it, but I will. I'll definitely be. Oh, Batman All Star, uh, yeah, Batman definitely. as well. And I'll definitely. Yeah, and I'll definitely. Be, and I'm gonna pick up the Flash as well. Christopher Darby, tonight you are going to be going to see. Batman versus Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice. I know. I'm going to endure it. You, it's going to endure you, I think you'll find. Or weather it. So, when you come back, you're going to be angry. I okay? am. You're going to be really angry. So, I recommend yep. that if you can, you immediately mm-hmm. put on a copy of Batman Forever. Ah, uh, yes. Because nothing is going to cheer you up more than Jim Carrey's Riddler. <laughs> and the cleavage of Kim Bassinger basing her? Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Well, which one's Kim, Kim Bassinger? Basinger was, Kim Bassinger was Vicky Byrne in the 1980s. All right, film. okay. Uh, Nicole Kidman then will uh, cheer you up. And you'll be happier 
for seeing a Batman which is good. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, the film is so bad, even Batman Forever is a good film next to it. <laughs> That's a quote. <laughs> Sam, Tom, I got a Snapchat from Sam today of him digging a drainage ditch in his new house with the, title, with the, the little um, caption, still better than Batman v Superman. Yeah, it was. Um, so, um, that, so okay. yeah, so I reckon if you can, come on back Batman straight Forever. away. Just put on Batman Forever in the background and that will just, yeah. it will, honestly, genuinely, it will make you feel better about life. And then I want you to read okay. issue 33, I think it is, is of Snyder's run because that's my favourite issue of the whole one. It's the one where um, Alfred has to break it to Julie Madison that he's not going to be going on a date with her because he's dedicated his life oh, to being yeah. Batman. And that made me... That that was one of the only times that made, I've... That made water come out of Yeah, your that's one of the only times I've cried at a comic book because it was just... It just basically sums up... Snyder just gets Batman at that point. Like, he understands yeah. exactly who he is. And... Yeah, and we talked about this before. I mean, Snyder, one of Snyder's crowning achievements is it's the best Alfred. Oh, yeah, it's the best Alfred ever. ever been. Um, okay. So that's Brilliant. what I So Batman Forever and that issue of... And uh, the final Batman issue of Snyder. Savage City, basically. It's the final issue of the zero-year yeah. arc. Beautiful. Yeah. Tom, any recommendations Batman-related to drown my sorrows in? I was going to recommend um, Batman Forever as well, actually, just for Jim Carrey's Riddler. Batman uh, and Robin, just say that. <laughs> No. Ice to see you. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I, in fact, I'm going to recommend... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to recommend the Adam West Batman movie. It's the complete... <laughs> exactly. It's the complete antithesis of Batflap. Um, Some days you just can't get rid of a bar. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I always carry my shark repellent spray. <laughs> um... Uh, yeah, but just because of the pure ridiculousness of that compared to the pure ridiculousness of Batfleck. Um, and comic book-wise, I think if we're talking about touching issues, I'm going to shockingly move away from Snyder Good. and head over to Batman and Robin. Uh, and I don't know if you ever read any Batman and Robin. Yeah, I did. But yeah. there's a completely silent issue of Batman and Robin. Yes, I've read that. I'm and sure it was probably story. the most moving comic book I think I've ever read, just after young Damian Wayne's death. Yeah. Um, an incredible book. And again, yeah. the complete antithesis of Ben Affleck's Batman, who couldn't give less of a toss about people dying than Superman in Man of Steel. Goodbye then, Chris. Chris is off. Um, then we can talk freely about Batman v Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice. Um, the reason why we put it at the, at the arse end of the show is obviously not to ruin it for Chris, but also if you want to go and see it without spoilers um, or you don't want to hear too... Uh, well, one 30-year-old man whine about comic book heroes for half an hour... Um, then you can just turn off. Really, you can just, you can just switch this off because it's really that's all it's going to be. This is going to be entertaining for us and no one um, else. Yeah, I'll just say that um, joining me obviously was Tom Percival and Chris Darby. And if you enjoyed us, uh, then please leave us a review on iTunes and follow us at Staying In Pod. Um, now we can talk about it. So, 
Percival, is there anything positive you can say about Zack Snyder's newest release? Yes, I honestly can. Okay. I think Ben Affleck, with a better yep. script, yep. could be a good Batman. I completely agree. Um, that's exactly what I was going to say. And I boiled it down to this movie would have been better if it was just called Batman Dawn of Justice. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Um, the most entertaining part of the film was the brief, probably about 15 minutes of the film, where we actually see Batman be a detective. Like, you know, we see him investigating, and I just thought, I was like, I'm, I'm down for a Ben Affleck solo Batman film. And then we got the plasterboard character of Superman. And that's not a slight on Henry Cavill. That's a slight on David S. Goyer and the other screenwriters because they gave him nothing to work with. Oh, my God. It, uh, I think it's... I don't... I, to be honest, I think a lot of it lands at the door of Henry Cavill as well, that he is, he is just a charisma vacuum. <laughs> um, but whatever he does that allows him to keep his job at the Daily Planet, even though all he has... Like, Perry gives him one job, which is to write a sports story. And what? And it feels like weeks pass, and he still... And, he's, and Perry comes up to him firstly and says, I've hacked into your Dropbox. Well, okay. Well, well, I, I was confused about the time, like how fast time was moving in this story, because Lois Lane says, right, I need to go to Washington for a few days. Fine. And then, like you say, it feels like weeks have gone by, like Superman... And he still hasn't written yeah, this one He's not written this, like, story. high school basketball news story. And it's like, <laughs> Clark, I, like, I, like you, me and you both know, Sam, working in media, you'd be, you'd be on your ass by the end of the day if your editor said, can you do this for me? I've not done it. Yeah, you would no. And then, and then at the end of the movie, I know we've gone off a bit of a tangent. <laughs> he's dead. He, he he just doesn't turn up. He just doesn't. He just doesn't. He just doesn't turn up for days. And Perry's like, "Oh, Clark, you know, oh, it's attitude. Can't turned up yet." And it's like, "No, oh, fair enough." Um, can we? So, sorry, can we just say as well about Perry White of all people? Yeah. Like, so Clark Kent comes. I've got this really interesting story about this bat vigilante, and he's like, "I'm not interested in it." Why? Because <laughs> I'm not, all right? Because it moves the plot a lot. Because the script says I'm not. Um, so, positive. Positive. I, 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 ha um, I have another one. Okay, can I just talk about Batman first? Okay, yeah, of course you can. Sorry. Um, that there is a good Batman film in this film. And I think there is one scene in particular. Basically, all in all, I think on interpretation, and I emphasise that point, highly because I'm a big Batman fan on interpretation there is an idea here that is really interesting and should have been explored that we are with a Batman who has been fighting crime for 20 years, we get told that a number of times and is on the edge of madness mm -hmm. and because there are several dream sequences in it <laughs> one where he's being lifted off the ground by bats another one where he's attacked by essentially man bat and um, to me along with that and the fact that he started branding criminals we're starting to see a Batman who is almost verging on um, uh, John Paul Valley's Batman and Azrael That's... the fact that he is beginning to lose patience with the fact that I've been doing this for 20 years and there is and, and nothing I'm doing is helping so, so he's, he's starting to take everything one step further and for me 
that's an interesting idea that I that possibly only I was able to see in the film because I'm a Batman fan. I, I think it's I think it's definitely a valid idea. It's funny you mentioned that because I was reminded of a scene. Have you ever read um, Al, not Alan Moore, Alex Ross's uh, Ju- Justice? No. About an elderly, like obviously Superman doesn't age, but Batman does. And uh, they're discussing a new generation of superheroes who murder as like a more permanent method of dealing with supervillains. Yeah. And Superman says to uh, an old Bruce Wayne who has to wear essentially a full uh, iron bodysuit because his body's been ruined by years as Batman. And he basically says to him, like, Clark and uh, Bruce, I've got to stop them, the murdering people. And Bruce says, well, nothing we ever did. We made a difference. And Clark reminds him that basically Batman exists so that no one ever has to so that no one ever has to die again after the death of his parents and i thought that was what it reminded me of as i say you know like just at the end of his tether almost like almost losing sight of the original idea of batman yeah yeah i think that was although some i I will say at the same point i've never seen batman deliberately roast a man alive with an oap in the room yeah he does that and he also uh blows up people firing at him oh oh, he blatantly murders people in this film and I again my interpretation of Batman is he should never he should never kill because as you said the reason why he becomes a vigilante in the first place is that no one else needs to die in Gotham Um, whether they're doing good or bad (laughs) he just just starts he doesn't care anymore Captain Murder Um, so I thought that was alright and there is one scene where these cops come to a house and there's a batarang just hanging from the door frame and they're investigating with torches and they find in the basement lots of women who have been locked up as part of like a human trafficking thing and they try to release them and then they close the door back uh, that's keeping them in this cage and they say no we're not leaving he's still here meaning batman and they and they and they come to the door and Batman's chained this guy up to a radiator and he's branded him, and you can hear the screams like as they're coming up to the house, and then as they turn around, Batman's just hanging in the corner and then he manages to like escape somehow. I, I re- and I thought I genuinely thought that was a brilliant moment. Oh yeah, it made him look supernatural, uh, yeah. and you can believe why c- criminals are actually terrified of a man in a bat suit. Yeah, that, and that's one thing that I think has not actually been done in a Batman film before is actually to really capture the fear like that Batman had rescued people but they were still too scared to leave rather than like running into the arms of Superman or anything like that or you know running mm. into the arms of Hal Jordan after being rescued and <clears throat> you know the superhero all get, always gets a girl they were yeah. like petrified of leaving and I thought yeah that, that's brilliant I, I also and I tell you what I'm get, I know you're going to give me stick for this okay. um, so there's a terrifying montage at one point of <laughs> Superman saving people <laughs> But looking really bored while he does yeah. so. Well, he looks bored right? throughout the whole film. But yeah, d- go on. but that moment when he's like, there's there's the flood and there's the people stood on the roof, and he's flying down and they do the bloody hand of God thing, you yeah. know, like reaching down. I actually thought when they, you know, those that woman was crying and looking up with tears. Sorry, my dad just walked in. All right. um, you know when and uh, I thought that that moment was good uh, effective in the film of showing that like people are starting to see superman as a god 
unfortunately, it was it was ruined by the fact, as I say, that Superman looked so bored while he was doing everything in the film. It was it was a genuine theme with the film that they have lost sight of who Superman is to the point that even his own mother, not his real mother, but Martha Kent, says to him, um, "Yes, you can carry on," because he has a, basically he has a crisis. He has sort of like a, a confidence crisis in this film where he gets he feels really let down by the fact that not everybody likes him, and you know, oh, that's really horrible, and people don't want him around anymore. And he, so he goes to Martha Kent and asks, and, bas- and basically <coughs> asks her, you know, is what I'm doing right? And she says, you can either be the saviour of humankind and do what your dad taught you about, you know, standing up for the American rights of people and, you know, being a good person, or you can be a dick. <laughs> can, can I just say, though, that Jonathan Kent did not teach him to save people. He told him to let those schoolchildren drown. <laughs> I have not forgotten that. And then later, when as well, I hated all the dream sequences. I think it worked with Batman because, as you say, there was that, you know, strange intensity, sort of insanity with him. But, you know, when Clark visits the top of the mountain and just sees his dad and has a chat with him. Yeah. Like, there were, there were small children in the audience um, who I saw it, and they were just turning around and saying, what's happening? Like, yeah. who, who's that? You know, why was he on top of the mountain? Like, I, I, I didn't get that. I thought it was just weird. Okay, so in terms of the greater context of the film, then, there are... Personally, I felt there are a number of issues, and that is the general... What the film was trying to say was probably the biggest problem that it has with it. I went to go and see this with um, a friend of mine, and he's not a comic book fan. He's probably only watched The Dark Knight, uh, doesn't read comics, hasn't seen Man of Steel. He came out of the movie not knowing what what on earth happened, which is exactly what you're trying to avoid, especially when you're this early on in a movie cinematic universe based on a comic book series. This movie, before it was released, needed a Flash movie, a Wonder Woman movie, and a Batman. Yeah. You know what? You've hit the nail on the head. The the scope of the film was colossal. It wanted to deal with so many things, and it failed to do a single one of those things properly. I don't think it set up an extended DC universe, like, coherently. Um, I I don't think I got an idea of who Wonder Woman is. No. Like... I, 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 as a comic fan, I saw stuff that I recognised, but your casual casual moviegoer doesn't know the Flash can time travel. No, you know, like or that he just, even was a Flash. He just yeah. he just turns up. He just he turns does. up, mumbles <laughs> some gibberish to to Batman. All of which is forgotten later on. It's not like it's <clears throat> something that he remembers in terms of what he's got to do. It's just setting. It's just setting up the dark side stuff. Do, do, so, for those not in the, for those who who you must, for those who've seen it, you know what we're on about. If you've not, basically the Flash tips up at one point. You don't know it's the Flash because you can barely tell because they are so reluctant to embrace that costume. It's like some mechanical armor. <laughs> and then, anyway, he basically says, "Don't low is it Lois Lane is the key. Yeah. Don't let her die." And then there's a scene later on where Lois is drowning, and Batman at this point is doing nothing because he does nothing in the whole climax of the movie, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I thought he's going to rescue Lois, and that's going to that's going to be it. And then Superman just rescues her, and I was like, "What? What, what was the point of in, the Flash stuff?" Oh my god! At that point, right? So I know 
it's really <clears throat> difficult to talk about this movie without also being tangential and not making any sense. But it's kind of the effect <laughs> the movie has on you. In terms of setting up the DCU, what it does is tries to create a bit of friction between Superman and Batman. Introduces Lex Luthor, but at no point explains who he is, what he does for a job, or why he wants to do anything that he's wanting to do. <laughs> Wonder Woman Wonder Woman pops up and um uh Batman Batman hacks into Lex Luthor's stuff and finds out Wonder Woman's been alive since at least nineteen fourteen. And there are f- at least four of the metahumans existing in the wider world. Flash pops up in a dream sequence, but which is never referenced to ever again in the whole entirety of the film. Um, and then this is, I read a, uh, a, a movie, review, movie review of this from Movie Bob, and he said, and the rest of the DC universe is explained by Wonder Woman sitting down and basically reading four <laughs> press releases <laughs> to the other characters that you haven't seen yet. Because this is, this is genuinely what happens. Is that Wonder Woman sits down and opens up? Is it four? It's three video the, files, isn't it? It's no, there's there's uh, cyborg, four. Aquaman, Flash, and well, herself. So there's yeah, because they've not bothered, they didn't bother with Green Lantern because everyone remembers who he is. Yeah. So um, so basically, there's this file that that Batman finds, which has the four symbols on it, and Wonder Woman just sits down and watches a video of the Flash in action a video of Aquaman and a video of Cyborg because apparently there's no other intelligent way of introducing these characters. And I bear in mind the fact that you just mentioned the perfect opportunity that they could have introduced Aquaman where Lois is drowning. (laughs) (laughs) And how brilliant would it have been for, you know, just a strange figure to save Lois and people have gone, oh, who's that? What could that mean? What could that have been? That would have been an interesting move. But instead, Wonder Woman just sits down. (laughs) (laughs) There's just oh, so much in this film that, like, did you notice, just talking about Lois drowning again, how Superman is suicidal. He knows that that kryptonite rock's at the bottom of the thing, and he just jumps in, and then Lois has to rescue him, and you just think, yeah. what? what? Talking God. also about Lois is she is only in the film to be captured. And rescued. And rescued. Li- that is literally S- all she does. It's, it's just a waste of Amy Adams and her talent. It's, it's that that is the only reason that she is in this film. Even even on the end credits, her name is Lois. <laughs> don't, she doesn't need a surname. They don't even give her a surname. It's it's a travesty that she's kind of you know does the best that she can do. <laughs> the the, pro- the, sh- the the thing is as well, like at the beginning, you know, Lois gets taken hostage by the warlord guy, yeah. who we later find out through very for whatever reason Lex Luthor set all that up. I just like I was expecting she's going to get out of this, this herself. That's going to be the twist, and we're all going to be like, oh, I bet Superman's going to come, and he's not. And then he does, and it, it just plays out exactly how you think it's going to play out. Also, just that. <laughs> When when Superman threw like he, there's someone holding Lois hostage and he like basically he says I can kill Lois before you can get to me and yeah. Superman smirks it's the one time he smiles in the whole film and then flies full pelt at this guy and smashes him through the wall and then later on goes I never killed anyone yeah. it's, like, <laughs> it's like yes you did I saw you kill that guy. Actually, I've just remembered a positive um, that is one of my other favourite moments of that film um, was when Superman does fly down 
and Lois is like holding on to the guy's arm because he's holding a gun to his head and trying to pull his arm away from her neck. And then as soon as Superman arrives, she just, she just slowly like releases her hands and puts them down yeah. inside. And I thought that there was a nice touch. There, was, there are some nice there are some nice touches in the film, but they they genuinely are few and far between. Um, where did this film take place, first of all? <laughs> this film took place on an uninhabited island. Several, as we were, um, or in the central business district, which nowhere, no one is working. Need we yeah. remind you? Or the port, um, which has been evacuated. Um, the port has been no. The port's been dead. The, no one's been into the port for years, Sam. Uh, Staten Island has been is uh, is been evacuated, and the central business district. Most people have gone home, so no one's dying in this huge collateral damage yet oh, again. God, it's, it. <sighs> Every time they said it, I rolled my eyes because you only you only need to say it once, and then I'm like, right, yeah. okay, yeah. How or many? Like, we've, in we've, in we've, terms of how many things being mentioned more than multiples, the fact that. Clark and you know wouldn't I like to put those two together or I'm bringing these two people together and just like ah uh, the the film does spend two hours picking up a fight between two people who I'm not sure actually dislike each hey. other well I, I want I want to okay. talk about that because I don't believe that, that we're introduced to a Bruce Wayne and you, you've mentioned and I think it's a valid interpretation that he's on the edge of insanity I don't believe that Bruce Wayne I, I think he'd always mistrust Superman and he'd build something for it but until Superman does something you know evil yeah He's never. He's not going to. And I don't. I think that they 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 touched on the collateral damage and Bruce really being affected by that. And I like that. Yeah. Right? But then they just abandon it. Like there there should have been a moment when he's fighting Superman and he's like, "This is for all those people in Metropolis." So I know. I know you can say that's bashing it on the head. But it need. But, but like, it did need that. It need because because what I was saying about Batman being on the edge of madness. That's my interpretation. The film never. There's never a conversation between. Bruce and Alfred, like Alfred, you know how there was in the Dark Knight, like Alfred would say to Bruce uh, in the um, in the Dark Knight Rises, how he's you know he's concerned for his sanity, saying you cannot you cannot keep doing this, and you know you're doing this to yourself. There's never that conversation. Um, there, there, it's just kind of what is implied and what I've inferred from it. So there is never that explicity in this movie because they they're afraid of. I, I don't know what Zack Snyder was afraid of, really, but there's just nothing. As well, as you said, this film teases a fight, which uh, I, was, I, was, I was bored during. I, I thought there, there, was, there was a couple of moments that I thought were clever, and then we just get to the bit where Superman's dragging him out and he pulls the spear out. And I was like, how, how are we going to resolve this? How are they not going to want to fight anymore? And then it's just, oh, our mums have the same name. <laughs> And it's like that stepbrothers moment of did we just become best friends? You they know, literally do like, fight. They spend the whole film about two hours, um, sort of at loggerheads, opposing um, sort of values of you know morality or whatever. Um, and then basically they share a mother's name, and that's literally what makes them the best of friends. And then there's a quote by Batman saying, he says, "I've." You know, I've defended him my whole life, and now I need to protect Superman. It's just like you've been friends for five minutes. <laughs> no, best, best friends, friends forever, forever because they share the same mother's name. It's and then, and then of course, 
uh, Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor, who you could do a whole podcast on in on his own, using <laughs> right. Okay, so he puts General Zod's body into some yeah. goo with his yeah. own blood, and then just tells the ship Kryptonian abomination. And they go, it goes, all yeah, right. all right. All right. <laughs> and makes Doomsday, who... I thought they were going to keep Michael Shannon's character. You know, like, so there would have been some... So when it, like, maybe it starts roaring, and all of a sudden it starts talking, and it's mm-hmm. Michael Shannon. And you're like, oh my God, there's an emotional reason for me to care now about this. Or to give Superman, you know, something to worry about, as opposed to just uh, an orc... What looks like a cave troll from Lord of the Rings smashing up yeah. the city. Like, I, I didn't care about Doomsday. Like, I, I just I, I just wanted that fight to be over, because I knew how that was going to yeah. end. Like, you knew as soon as Doomsday came out, well, it'd be the Kryptonian spear, you know? I just... I was just tired by that point in the film. It should have ended with an upbeat... The upbeat note of um, Batman and Superman coming together, yeah. not 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 the hideous, hideous way it ends, which... Let's talk about Jesse Eisenberg okay. first, okay. but then let's go back right, to the yeah. ending and how misjudged yeah. it is. Okay, so Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor, and as I said before, it is never in any part of the film explained who he is, what he does, or why he's doing anything. He Sam, do you not remember? He had a German dad who maybe maybe hit him, he says in one line. <laughs> um, and he kind of mumbles and witters his way through the film and, you know, is basically uh, Mark Zuckerberg from um, The Social Network, but turned up a bit more. Um, um, and he spends... I just don't know what he's doing in this film. Why did? Why does he hate Superman? I have no like, idea. As far as as far as I could tell, like he should like Superman. Superman destroyed the city, and he apparently rebuilt yeah. it. Like he made a shite ton of money off Superman. Also, as well, they point out at one point that he doesn't do this for money, and they keep insinuating that he has some like god complex, but they never like. It's always very much teased. Like they're too afraid to say he. He goes on a rant at one point saying, if knowledge is power, then why aren't, you know, then, and then he stops himself. And I thought, ooh, is that going to be it? That, you know, like, he's jealous of Superman's power. But then there's nothing. Yeah, the like, thing, there would have been interesting if, if he was jealous of Superman's power, then why not put me in goo to make himself powerful? Like, find out the secret to, to making <laughs> himself. Because in the comics, that seems to me what Lex Luthor spends all his time doing, is trying to make himself an equal to Clark. Like trying to make himself yeah. have the power that he thinks try, he try, deserves because he is so knowledgeable and well read. But try, trying to prove that some alien, like, because the, the, have you ever no. read Man of Steel? The idea behind that is that before Superman arrived, they called Lex Luthor yeah. the Man of Tomorrow. And then Superman arrived, and he got the name Superman, and he was nicknamed the Man of Tomorrow, and it drives Lex Luthor, like, insane with jealousy that he's an alien, he's not even human. And in this, they just he just talks about him like he's a god all the time, and makes references to himself being the devil, and it's just, it's just, I, I never got Lex Luthor as a character, like, he didn't do it for money. He didn't seem to do it for power. He seemed to do it like almost like the Joker but, from The Dark Knight. But the just because he the, wanted to. The problem with the film is that this film is missing a film before it. It's missing. It's missing yeah. that time that you get with Lex Luthor to understand why he is. He's doing what he's doing. Understand that he's an evil guy. In this film, he just turns up and he is villain. 
He is a villain. <clears throat> it needed a film where, you know, Lex Luthor rises to power because of the money off what Superman's done and he, you find out that he's a nefarious character and you find out that he's sleeve evil and all this kind of stuff, but you get none of that. It's and Ex- and this uh, Exactly. Me and, and for the sorry, same reason it needed a film um where you know with it needed a Batman, Batman film which had Jason Todd in it getting killed by Joker. Because that's yeah, so, that just does. turns up in it. It, you just have Robin's <laughs> suit with the uh, ha-ha not so funny now on it or something like written on it and the guy I was watching it with he said what what does that mean who's that and again yeah. I imply from that you know Jason Todd is Batman's biggest regret make him go out and he gets killed by the Joker that would have made a great movie and you kind of watch this movie yeah. and you go there's a great Batman movie in, the, in here somewhere and no, Sam, you don't understand. We needed to rehash Batman's origin in the first 15 minutes because I'd not seen Batman's origins enough time on telly to know who, how Batman becomes Batman. I just, that entire opening bit, you know, yeah. with the Waynes being murdered, um, the, the funeral, and the, 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 the blatant rip-off of, of uh, Nolan's the yeah. bat circling, right? I was just like, I, I, if if I'd have rolled my eyes anymore, they would have ended up in the lap of the guy sat next to me. Like, because I was just like, I know how he became Batman. Most people in this room know how Batman became Batman. How much more interesting would it have been to see maybe that Jason Todd moment, yeah. like a vignette of it? You know, like fifteen quick minutes of or just, him failing or just Jason Todd. Fifteen minutes of where is Batman now? Instead, we have to wait. Yeah. probably at least forty or fifty minutes before we see Batman even fighting anyone. Actually, no, that's a lie. We don't see Batman fighting anyone until the last... Until the last bit the of the film. The last bit. We, we, we see him committing wanton homicide yeah. with his Batmobile, though. And that's, and that, and that's it? Yeah. He, I mean, you wait so long for anything to happen in this movie, and then by the time it does, it's... Because here is the thing. This is Batman v Superman. The whole marketing was about, you know, whose side is you on, who are you going to root for. And for me... The reason why I love comics is that these are people who you're, who who are doing things that you cannot attain, who are doing who are living a life that you can't, are facing you know odds that you never have a chance against. So you root for these people, and you're um, and you're invested in them. And it's the same goes for this movie. There's people who are making this who have the chance to make something that I would never get the chance to make, and they're realizing things on the screen. And you're meant to be. When you come out of a film like this, you're meant to go, wow, do you remember when this person did that? And, oh, do you remember when they did that? And, and oh, wasn't it brilliant when they burst out of this? And then you thought, oh, you thought the villain was going to win and then they suddenly pulled out this. And that's a reaction that you're meant to have to this kind of big blockbuster movie event. No. But, not do you remember when Batman hit Superman with the sink? <laughs> Get it? Exactly. But, but the thing is, when it came to the big fight, I wasn't even rooting for Batman. I wasn't even. I, at oh, no I point want- did it make me feel like you're going to root for anyone. And throughout that whole fight, I started thinking of Civil War, and I started thinking of how that set up as there is a clear division between these two sides, and there is such a difference between the way Captain America is as a character and Iron Man is as a character. You, as a person, are naturally going to root for one or the other. 
But Sam, that's almost like that we've had three Iron Man movies, two Captain America movies, and two Avengers movies to see the friction slowly building between those two characters for us to understand why they might go to uh, begin fighting exactly. as opposed to this, where you get, as you say, and uh, maybe an hour and 40 minutes of build-up and then you're just like, Nothing. I still don't really know I've why they're fighting. never been so angry after um, leaving film than I was here because it, it was super... Superman is treated with such disdain as a character and as a as a foot. Oh, they were yeah. more interested in Batman in this film, I think, than Superman was. And, well, and he's almost <coughs> squeezed into this just to just for the fight. Well, like you say, you know, I th- I thought one of the better moments of the film was again talking about like I know we've been harping on about poor Henry Cavill's nothing to do and just looks bored the whole way through but there's a really interesting bit where early on there's a guy in the Metropolis uh, disaster who lost his legs and we see him go to the government on the behest of Lex Luthor to testify against Superman and I thought that would have been a really interesting moment to like see someone someone confront Superman and say this is what you did to me but then he just just blows up and he just like kills everyone um, and, just like, and there is an interesting point right. there where Superman's standing amidst the flames of, you know, everything. But he just has a chat to Lois Lane and he gets over it. Like, there's just <laughs> yeah, no... I'm fine with In that. this film, there's no cause and effect. There's no... Um, he doesn't even ask no. what kryptonite is. He's not interested. He's just like... like Batman gasses him with gas, gaseous kryptonite. And he, like, it robs him of his powers. And there's a moment of brief shock on his face, and then there's no discussion of what was that, you know, like, and then Batman says something snarky, yeah. like, your worst nightmare, you know, or something like that. Um, I, I just think, the, I, I know everyone's going to jump on us, uh, jump on me for saying this, but I just think DC, Mar- Marvel do it so much better than DC. And like everyone who says, oh, well, they're all, you know, they're booking the trend and doing something a bit different. Yeah, they've done something different. But you know, there's a reason why we drive on the on the, on the left side, left hand side of the road because it's safe and makes sense. This didn't make sense. It wasn't fun. I didn't leave the cinema thinking I can't wait to watch Justice League. I was thinking, oh my god, I'm actually going to waste money on Suicide Squad. And our friend, our mutual friend who I saw this with, said, I don't want to see Suicide Squad after that. Wow. He was like, DC's burnt all its bridges with me. I've got no interest in it. I I also felt. The feeling that you know, and and before before I went to go and see this, I read I read a really nice article from uh, Justin McElroy, who writes for Polygon, and it's titled "You Don't Have to See Batman versus Superman: Colon Dawn of Justice." And in it, he I says, read the same one. The last thing you can do is give the give the studio money and make them think that they're doing the right thing. And already, I'm seeing that they're saying that it's broken box office records and it's the biggest superhero film opening ever with 400 and something million it's insane so there's but it does have the advantage of being worldwide release instantly all right i see so it's not like deadpool which was a slow burner released in different territories at different times it literally had an overnight worldwide worldwide release okay so basically there could be a very short tail well i think it's going to be interesting to see now they've gone through all the like all the people who pre-booked over the Easter weekend to see it, how it's going to do, how it's going to fare in the long run. Uh, I don't think it's going to break a billion. Well, I went um, to, I went on a Saturday night, nine o'clock showing, and the cinema was probably a third full. Yeah. Um, 
and I think the message is already seeping through that the reviews are not good. I um, I, I, you know, though I see so much uh, in my day job, I while moderating comments, see so much praise for this film, and you know what? If you enjoyed it and had got fair something enough. out of it, then fair enough. That then it, it didn't work for me, and I think that's fine. But I I I, I think I don't know quite what film they watched <laughs> we, our frames of reference are you know uh, uh, you know we are more attached to the source material than most people probably going to see this film we just but, but I, I see all the time people saying oh if you like the comic books then this is the movie for you and it's like it could not be further removed from these characters yeah. it's like you say it's insulting to Superman uh <laughs> Batman, I can forgive this interpretation of Batman because I think we've come close to it in the past with Frank Miller's Dark Knight. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't agree with all the murder, no. but I can get over yeah. it. Different uh, different adaptations. Yeah. I just think that it's 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 not it's not the comic book characters. It's Zack Snyder's version. It's Zack Snyder's fan fiction. Basically, my feeling was Zack Snyder m- made this movie and in the... In the discussions, all he said was, and then? Because that's the feeling of the movie you get, is that something happens, and he just goes, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and you just feel the producers going, is there not going to be a callback to anything? We're we not going to, you know, reference anything or just... But like that, that whole dark side dream that Batman has, which was really cool, by the way, I'd watch that film... Um... Like, but that, there was no but, context. But you understand that, and I know that's yeah. I know that's dark side. But the fact of the matter is, he has his big dream sequence where he's in the future and he and he looks a bit like he actually looks a bit like zero zero year Batman. Like he does actually. Um, yeah, that's a and he he's got a gun. And he's shooting guys, and then these people, this like army, attack him, and there's locusts. And Superman kills two people in the room with Batman. Then he wakes up, and the Flash tells him some odd stuff. But the thing is, that's never referenced again. Like, you don't see him investigating Omega symbols, or you don't see him talking to Alfred about what on earth that dream was about or anything. It's just left the hang as if it's like some cool Easter egg and all Zack Snyder's playing with your mind. Do you want to know my theory on why they didn't do it? Why we didn't get at the end? You know how Lex Luthor obviously knows Darkseid's yeah. coming because he irritates and it does that ding, ding dong. Ding, the, ding, yeah. ding. And I was just like, oh, shut up. Uh, because if he, they'd have shown Darkseid, they would have been roasted for who's that, what's Thanos doing in a Disney yeah. movie? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, in a Warner yeah, Brothers yeah, movie. They, they, they're almost, you know, playing with fire, picking Darkseid as the next big... They would have been but, better going with Brainiac or someone with that. They would have. Because and, you know, Darkseid is just DC Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> he basically is. Well, funnily enough, Thanos is Marvel's Darkseid, but... They yeah. they came first. Just, just, just very quickly, because I'm very aware that we are getting short on yeah. time now. Um, Superman's death. Spoilers. Okay. Um, so, Misju- misgu- misguided, misjudged. So there are a couple of points in this film where Zack Snyder is directly referencing The Dark Knight Returns um, in different ways. So in The Dark Knight Returns, um, uh, Superman averts a nuclear warhead and basically absorbs all its radiation and becomes on the verge of death. And in the comics, that's a really interesting moment because he kind of sucks the life out of all these plants. He's basically, by Reagan, I think it's meant to be, is um, subjugated and almost forced to protect 
America from these nuclear warheads yeah. in a war. And just America. And that's the reason why Batman is against him. Um, actually, no, Batman's not that against him. He's forced to fight Batman because <laughs> Reagan is embarrassed by his vig- vigilantism. Um, and that's re- that, that's a really interesting way of making these two sides opposed rather than Lex Luthor just kidnaps Superman's mum. mum. <laughs> um, Go have a fight now. Don't tell her the name of your mum, though, because I know that'll stop it. <laughs> um, and so there's that scene in it, but in this film, he... Um, pulls Doomsday out into Earth's orbit and in the quickest decision ever made by man they decide just to fire a nuke at yeah, Superman and Doomsday. You know, fine enough, I watched Doctor Strangelove um, just last night okay. and during that scene that's all I could think of when they were like, <laughs> let's nuke him and I was like, oh, it's Attack Plan R. Great. So, um, uh, so what happens is Superman absorbs all the radiation and he's left dead, like hanging in the sky but because he's in, in orbit of Earth he's right next to the sun so he just he just immediately comes back. There's no like, oh, he is near death, like there is in Dark Knight Returns. Like, there is his, his body's a little bit emaciated, but the way that Frank Miller draws him in Dark Knight Returns, he literally is just my God, that that yeah, he's, he's a ghoul. Just a ghoul he's like, and the, and almost it's quite symbolic how he like sucks the life out of the earth to to get back. Like he sucks um, the sunlight out of plants, basically. Anyway, and then the next direct reference to Dark Knight Returns is instead of Batman in the grave at the end it's superman and the soundtrack actually goes boom then it goes boom boom like those panels in the end of dark Knight returns where superman's hearing batman's heartbeat which is interesting but of course you can't do that because batman doesn't have super hearing <laughs> yeah well but, but bats do mm. irony and then um, and then the but- soil starts to lift off his coffin and then you get the idea that maybe he is still alive and you're just like, oh, sorry. But of, co- but of course he is, because I know Justice League's coming in 20, 2019. You know, thanks to the way movie marketing these days, I know what film I'm seeing on which weekend up till like 2038. Yeah. You know, like, I just thought, I, I thought Killing Game was just, because we, we know he's going to come back and, you know, now there's going to be a Justice League. And I just think that, because the film was so dark and grim, if they'd have ended it on the note of, and I know we've said that this film's too busy and too packed, but they've already introduced these metahumans. If they'd, like, introduced the Trinity saying, we'll find them together, you know, yeah. or something like that. So I know it's dead cheesy, but it's like, oh, well, now I'm excited. Instead, it's Superman's dead and Batman and Wonder Woman are reluctantly off yeah, to find these people like, and Batman that calls just them. like, oh, we should find them. And Wonder Woman goes, why? And Batman goes, nah, I guess we probably should. <laughs> Something to do, isn't it? <laughs> he, he goes, no, he goes, they'll fight. And she goes, how do you know? And he just goes, because it's just coming. A feeling, or something just like a that. feeling just, like, yeah, just, just a feeling. And you're just like, great. Can't wait for that. I, I have so much more to say about this film. Like the weather in Metropolis being perfectly fine and yet absolutely bucketing down with rain in Gotham just across the river. Like, there. <laughs> basically I think we can sum it up by it It just is a terrible it's not just a terrible superhero movie it's just a terrible film quickly because I do want to finish this quickly um, how bad is the product placement Uh, the product placement is less bad than Man of Steel but for anyone who's seen Man of Steel it's still not great I think it evidences how bad a director Zack Snyder is because he can't subtly do it 
So there's a scene where Amy Adams is naked in the bath and she puts something on the back shelf and the frame literally hangs on the oil of Olay soup, soap that she's got there. For no reason at all, there's an image of Batman unveiling his posh car and the frame, again, hangs on the Aston Martin logo. There's not, like, a clever way that the product placement is done. It literally just is, here's a product, here's how we finance this movie. And, yeah. Uh, I, I just all the way through. Uh, like, Zack Snyder has no interest in directing dialogue scenes. Have you noticed? No. He just, it's just two characters looking at each other. Yeah, two characters looking at each other talking. And then when he gets to the action stuff, that's when he gets creative. But the problem is, again, you're fighting a big, big cave trial, and I have no emotion, emotional involvement with any of the characters, so I don't care what happens. And it's just a jumble of colours and noise, and it's kind yeah. of what a headache would look like. The, again... And I know this is referencing people who have been able to say better things about this movie in a better way than we can. But Movie Bob said it's just looking at um, screens, four screensavers attacking each other. <laughs> That's a brilliant way to put it. So it is just about to turn midnight on the 28th of March 2016 and I've literally just got back from a showing of Batman vs Superman. I had a whole speech planned in my head where I would just make my review a description of the theatre the cinema essentially everything from the upholstery the comfortness of the seats the size of the screen to the quality of its bar snacks but what was quite strange was that thinking about everything I experienced in my two and a half hour epic cinematic event I didn't hate it. I was expecting to. I've been told by many of my close friends that this film would make me angry. If you're a Batman fan, Chris, this film will make you angry. You're going to be really wanting to calm down after you walk out. And perhaps what I feel is actually something worse. I don't really feel anything about that film. And that's not necessarily... Negative, it's not necessarily positive, it was just an experience that I underwent and I've come out the other side of it. I mean, hearing just that phrase out of context, you're probably there's a myriad of different things I could be describing there, but that was my experience really. Um I feel like I've just watched a trailer, like Sorry, like like the trailer for the Justice League. I feel like I've watched somebody do on YouTube a supercut of a Wonder Woman film, a Batman film, and a Superman film. And, you know, they've not got much experience in editing. But they've taken their best bits or just any bits from those three films and they've mashed them together. I feel like I've tried to watch 
three films running simultaneously, and that's quite exhausting. But it also makes it something that's quite difficult to review by that same token, because... I mean, on their own individually, they could be quite an interesting concept. You've got a Superman trying to see how he fits into this world. And I really love this idea of not just the kind of just seeing explosions and then we kind of turn our heads to one side, bow our heads and go, oh, that's bad. Oh, well, never mind. But actually, he can't escape that and the real world consequences of that were quite interesting to kind of watch. But there wasn't really much space for that to unfold because we had two other films to fit in. A Wonder Woman film, which was the smallest of the lot, but by far the one that gave it the most energy and gave it a fresh air. From what I saw of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, I really like her as Wonder Woman. That kind of, the qualities, the little things you'd expect when she gets punched and she's flown across all, um, um, all this destruction. She just kind of like shakes her head and goes, oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this and goes back in for another round. Uh, I want to see more of her and I really am looking forward to the Wonder Woman film and the Batman. Um, I really like Ben Affleck um, and I like his Batman. There just wasn't enough of it, really. And the meeting between the three of them felt forced. I didn't really get a sense of solidarity um, between the three of them. So whereas Marvel, we saw each of these characters individually and we saw them meet and there was all this weight of history behind them that we'd experienced with them. We'd been on this journey and we'd watched that culminate in this wonderful meeting with Avengers Assemble. Here with the DC Universe, we've kind of got the reverse. And I can understand why they've done it. And I like the fact in some respects they've done it this way because they're not trying to emulate Marvel. But by that same token, I do feel a little bit cheated out of that. That sense of being able to really work with these characters individually in a manner that we had with the Man of Steel. Um, so yeah, I didn't hate it. And if I, if I rank it in my top 10 Batman films, it's still bottom, it's number 10, (laughs) but I didn't hate it. Um, I haven't got any vitriol for it. I feel nothing. I'm not going to watch it again. I will not buy this film. I'm not going to buy the extended cut that apparently is coming out. What I will watch, though, are I will go online and I will watch people's YouTube clips of the best of Batman, and that'll be it, and the best of Wonder Woman. I will not watch this film again. I'm glad I saw it, though. I am actually glad I saw it. I would have regretted not seeing this at the cinema. But I will never watch it again. That was Staying In with me, Sam Turner, Tom Percival and Chris Darby. If you enjoy this episode, then please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to the comics, games, movies and more covered in this episode. And come find us on Twitter at StayingInPod. Thanks for listening.